Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. I am so excited because, uh, well, I should probably introduce myself. Hi, guys. My name is Jared. I am the lead pastor here at the church, and uh, I love being able to do this moment with you. I I, uh, actually have written this message before I went on vacation, and it seems ultra-timely today more than it was. It was timely then, but I feel like the events that have taken place in the last week or so with the Supreme Court and all these types of things, that particularly today, this message feels timely. And I'm always amazed, and this happens all the time with worship. When I talk to Aaron every Monday, he and I have department meetings, and we're talking about the songs that he selected for, for, uh, you know, for the, the worship service. And so many times he and I have sat down and said, wow, that song that you chose for that day was perfect for the message for that particular week and, and what's going on in people's lives and things. And so today is one of those days where I just know that God is going to speak to us and challenge us. So because the reason for that is because we're starting a brand new series called Letters. Now this is something new. It's something completely different for us that we have not done at all in Encounter Church. We, we're no strangers to series here. We usually have a month series where we kind of take a theme or a topic from the Bible and, or a passage or something and we work through. Well, this time what we're doing is actually we're going to be walking through four books of the Bible throughout the entire summer. I mean, that's it, right? So um, if you've ever heard the phrase, probably not because you didn't go to Bible school, but God eats potato chips, okay? God eats potato chips. That's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you don't know what those are, those are four books of the Bible that are found in the New Testament, okay? And those books of the Bible are actually letters, that were written to churches in those regions or in those cities by the apostles. And so what we're going to do is we're actually going to start with Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to just start reading it, okay? And I'll tell you why in a few moments. But this summer, we're not going to be doing various series. We're literally going to be walking through these books of the Bible. So I want to give you a little context as to why, though. So at the resurrection, when Jesus died on the cross and was rose from the grave, and what I love about this is that is that we actually talked about this in the, in the song that we sang. The last song of the day that we sang today was forever. And it talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And every single thing that the Christian church does is based on the belief that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. In the entire book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts, all of the miracles that took place, every single thing that happens in the New Testament is based on the fact that everything that's happening is proof that this man, Jesus Christ, rose from the grave. And so that is where we pick up this book. So in the very beginning, what it says is that Jesus rose from the grave and he gave us what's called the Great Commission. We have, I think, an image of it right here. This is kind of the picture of Jesus being ascended into heaven. And he gave the Great Commission, which said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, right? That is the mission of every single Christian who has ever lived since the day that Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, okay? So that's what they did. He said, go into all the world. At that moment, the disciples then went to a place called the upper room. We have an image of that. There was a place. Jesus said, before you go into all the world, I want you to go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come Upon you. So the Bible tells us that in the book of Acts, chapter 2, we find out that there were 120 of like the disciples, the ones who were committed, the ones who did not fall away, the ones who, who when Jesus was crucified, they didn't run away. These guys 
were up there waiting for they didn't know what, and they were praying. And the Bible tells us that on the day of Pentecost, which was a uh, festival, a Jewish festival of celebrating the feasts, okay? The day of Pentecost, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 that in this moment, during that time in the upper room, the Holy Spirit from God fell into that room and it said that there was fire in the room. It looked like there was fire above their heads. Now in this time, the Bible tells us that it looked like there were tongues of fire. So maybe some of you have seen pictures back in, the, in other days where there was a little tiny little flame above their head. I liked this picture because it seemed kind of like, like maybe that's kind of what happened, right? The Holy Spirit just rushed into the room. The Bible tells us there was a sound of like thunder that came through. A rushing wind came into the room. The Holy Spirit made an entrance better than any celebrity ever could and came in and with fire. And the Bible tells us that he filled those disciples with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues in other languages. And from that moment on, they were filled with a power that allowed them to be able to do miracles. And those miracles were, in fact, the evidence that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. I mean, imagine that for a second, right? Imagine if you walked into your local Starbucks and you said, hey, my sister died, but she came back to life. They're going to go, I don't believe you. But if you were to say, oh, hey, sick person, in the name of my sister, I heal you, boom, who raised from the dead, and that person now gets healed, well, I think that person is probably going to believe the story that you told because of that, right? That's the concept here, is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the power inside of their lives, and now they went into all of the world with that same power, did miracles to prove that Jesus is who he said he was. So the apostles then began to travel all over the world. Our next image here. They traveled all over the known world at the time and preached the gospel. So we see, like, these are places that are familiar to us. Greece, we have uh, Sicily and Italy, and we have Cyprus and Asia Minor, which is kind of the area of, like, Turkey, and all of these locations. These guys were in Israel, in Jerusalem, which is over here. And then you see that they traveled all over the place, From that room, 120 of them were filled with such excitement and power from what the Holy Spirit had done inside of their life. And then they remembered what Jesus said before they left, go into all the world. So they did. They traveled everywhere they could, every town. And when they would get to these towns, they began to tell everyone that they could about Jesus. And they were doing miracles. And they started meeting each other's homes because they were Jewish people, right? So they couldn't go to the temple and tell people about Jesus there. They would try, but they ended up getting kicked out or they get beaten up. So oftentimes they started house churches, right? This is where the church began. They would start meeting in their homes and they would, be, they would break bread together and they would eat together and they would share together. And, they, they just, and little by little, they started telling people about Jesus. And this was happening all over the world, all over the known world at the time. And once their faith was established in a particular community, the apostles but the people who came to that community in the first place and shared Jesus would then move on. They would go to other towns and continue the cycle. And that's how the gospel, how Christianity ultimately became the religion that we know of it today because people went from city to city, from town to town, from home to home. Now from time to time, those apostles would visit and they would come back or they would go to other places and then they would send letters oftentimes with them with instructions or exhortations 
Oftentimes, they would send a letter to a city after they left it and established that city, that church there, to, con- to instruct them or to correct misguided practices. And when a letter was received by that particular church or in that city, what would happen is then most oftentimes a letter would come to whoever was kind of like in charge of that area and that person would gather up all the house churches from that city. So in the city of, 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 of Ephesus, for example, when the book of Ephesians was written, which is a letter, it was written to the churches found inside of the area, that city. So like here right now, it would be like someone said, hey, I'm going to write a letter to the church of Pittsburgh. Now that includes Encounter Church, that includes Mars Hill Church, that includes, um, you know, Our Lady of the Angels, that includes, uh, you know, the, uh, I think there's a Door of Hope Church and there's New Bethel Baptist and there are churches all over Pittsburgh. Everyone who identifies with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what they would do is they would all get together in one place. They would run out a music hall, I don't know. They would get together and they would read this letter that was written by one of the apostles. The person that they knew because their church was started by that guy. Okay, And so several of these letters would over time become so iconic. They would become so iconic that it is clear that they were written, inspired by God. These were words from heaven and are included in the scriptures that we now know of as the Bible. And so this summer, I want us to experience that same kind of atmosphere, a similar approach to the early Christians. I want us to read the Bible like it was written to them and how the same thing is written to us. We're going to take Galatians and we're going to talk about who the Galatians were and understand all that stuff. And then we're going to read it verse by verse just like they did. And what does it mean? And how does it mean to me? And I feel like it's going to be challenging for us. I feel it's going to be inspiring for us because I have felt for a long time that the Bible has become to a lot of us like a book of Proverbs. Like it's become like a Confucius saying, you know, like a bunch of one-liners put together in a Bible that we walk along and we go, oh, the Bible has to say this about my situation. Where in reality, we take a lot of things out of context. And I feel like if this summer, if we could spend time just kind of reading it through a chunk, we'll be able to kind of see where it fits into the rest of it. And it'll really mean a lot to our lives. And so that's what we're going to do. So what I want to say is this, is I want to encourage each one of you to read ahead. Okay, we're starting with the book of Galatians. Just go to your Bible, find the table of contents if you don't know where it is, or open up your tablet or your smartphone and get the Bible app and literally just find Galatians. It's super easy on a a smartphone or a tablet. You just go to the search box and type in Galatians, G-A-L-A-T-I-A-N-S, Galatians. Okay, and I want you to read it. And what I would encourage you to do is while you're reading it, if you have a question, if something pops up and you're like, I have no idea what that means, or, I don't know what I think about that. Or, can you help explain this? What does that word mean? Or whatever. I would encourage you to do that and send me an email. Okay? Or write a question down and put it on a piece of paper and bring it to church. Because what I want to do is when we get to that verse that you had a question about, I want to address it. I actually want to like, I want to say, this is what, what I've studied this in preparation for what you have, a question. And we'll go over it and we'll talk about it. Because that's what they would do. I mean, that's what's, what's exciting about this. This letter was written, and they would all get together in a room, and they would sit there for hours. Now we're not going to do that, all right? We're not going to sit here for hours. That's why it's going to take the whole summer. But what we're going to do is we'll take that, and if you have a question, someone would, would raise their hand and say, well, I don't understand that, and they would discuss it. And that's what I want to do this summer. So I encourage you to read ahead in Galatians. Today we're only going to get through about 10 verses. 
So anyway, I believe that this summer, I think we're going to gain a better understanding of God's word, and I think we're going to see how it fits together. And I think that God's going to open our eyes to new insights for our life and for our faith. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin our journey through God's word by exploring the letter of Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles or your smartphones, your tablets, pull them out. I encourage you to do that every week. Read ahead. But let's start with verse 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. This is literally like, imagine right now that some guy walks into the room and opens a scroll, and we're going to start reading from the top, okay? Here we go. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. So we get the impression that Paul was the guy who started this church, okay? The apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, so there it is again, right? We've got, we've got this guy, Paul, saying, no man has sent me. I was not appointed by any people, but by Jesus Christ himself. And if any of you maybe don't know the story, Paul was actually a man who used to persecute the Christians. He was a Jewish leader who would go from town to town hunting down. It was like a manhunt. They would go and hunt down Christians, and then he would kill them. He would execute them, like execution style. Today, it would be like bang, like two to the head. That's what he would do to these guys. He was notorious for murdering Christians. And along the way to one of those places, a city called Damascus, he was stopped dead in his tracks by God in heaven. He was stopped and a light came from heaven and a voice. He was like in a trance. And I can imagine that moment. He's just stuck there staring up at the sky and the guys around him are like, yo, dude, what's, you know, are you okay? Like slapping him on the face and he's just not. And in that moment, the Bible tells us, this happens in the book of Acts. It tells us that he, he saw Jesus Christ himself. Why are you persecuting me? And Jesus told him right there, for what you have done, because of it, I will now make you the one who's going to go to the Gentiles, the people who don't know Jesus, the people who are not Jewish, the people who've never heard about me, and I'm sending you. In that moment, in that moment, he became a converted disciple and was so passionate, just as passionate as he was prior, now passionate about telling everyone he can about Jesus. That's why he says, I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Verse two, here's who I'm writing to. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. All right, Galatia. We've got a slide up here for you. Galatia is a region that was annexed to the Roman Empire. So at the time this was written, probably around, around most people think it's around 49 AD, okay? So this is about 20 years, 15 years, 20 years after Jesus was crucified, okay? So it's actually in modern-day Turkey. So you can see it right up here. This is where the region of Galatia was, okay? And so... Paul actually visited cities here. Antioch was one of the cities there. Iconium, Lystra, Derbe. These are all cities that were found in that area right, right over here. Where you can see uh, Konya and you can see Adana. All of these areas, that was where this region was, okay? Paul visited these places in Acts chapter 13 and 14. So you can see what I'm saying. This is all proof, okay? Acts 13 and 14 is when he visited this area the very first time. So he went there, told everybody about Jesus. Now he's not there, and he's heard about things going on and is writing them a letter. Now these people were not Jewish. They were what we call Gentiles, which I call them what? 
muggles. Yes, I don't know if anybody got that. Jewish people were Jews, and anybody who wasn't Jewish, according to them, were called Gentiles. Gentiles were not Jewish people, just like in Harry Potter. Anyone who wasn't a wizard is a muggle. So that's what we call them here. Gentiles are muggles. Um, This letter was written to all the churches in this region of this sort of central part of Turkey, which was called Galatia at the time. And Paul points out in this very first two verses that the authority of his letter comes directly from God, not from any people. And this speaks to us today. The important thing to understand is that that same authority speaks to us. Okay, so when we read this Bible, this passage, this book of the Bible, this letter, he says this is coming from God, which means it comes to us from God as well. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and give you peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father had planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Okay, now this is a very typical situation that you see in a letter that's written. It's a salutation, right? It's coming from the apostles to the churches, and it was a reminder of the gospel message. Who is sending me, and why am I writing to you? We're not quite at the meat of the letter, but it's talking about this is the central Moment. This is the central point of everything that we do. Jesus Christ gave his life for our sins to cover our sins. He rose from the grave. That risen from the grave is what allows us to live the life and have a connection with our creator. This is the foundation of our faith. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ paid for your sins on the cross and rose from the grave, then you're not a Christian. This is the gospel message. And it sets up the foundation for the rest of the reason he wrote the letter. Jesus is the center of all of it. And now he jumps into the meat of his message. Verse 6. I am shocked, he says, that you are turning away so soon from God. What are you talking about, man? You came here and you told us about Jesus and we like that guy. We have a like on his Facebook page. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way That pretends to be the good news. Okay, what are you talking about? But it is not the good news at all. Now, the word good news here is what the word is gospel, okay? So when we say the word the gospel, it's translated good news. It literally means good news. Like, I'm telling you that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and paid for our sins, and he rose from the grave so that we could live with him forever in heaven and not have to go to hell. That is good news, okay? He says, you are following a different way. That pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Verse 8. This gets heavy. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Wow. Okay, so what was happening apparently was that there were people coming in and saying, man, that Jesus guy is awesome. And then they began to teach other things, kind of like, like addendums or amendments to the gospel. They were adding things. They were taking things away. They were saying, in order for you to be a Christian, you got to do this, this, and this. And none of that was found in God's word prior. None of that was what they were taught. None of that was what they were taught and were, were, have been taught by the apostles. Okay, so when, when Paul, what Paul is saying here is, when I left you, I gave you the gospel in its entirety. Case closed. Period. 
There is nothing else you need to know. I mean, yes, there's like practical living stuff and questions and that kind of thing. But what we're talking is like, if you have a theological point that is different than what I told you, you are wrong. And that's what he's saying to these guys. Verse 10, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And he's, I think he's saying, and I certainly would not be writing this letter to you because this is not, this is not happy news, right? Sometimes as a pastor, I feel like I get up here and have to read something from God's word that he's putting on my heart. And I feel like when I say this to you, I'm gonna be doing what they call stepping on people's toes. And, and it, it's not fun, I don't like having to tell people that, you know, the way that we live our lives sometimes isn't what God wants for us. I mean, I have to see you out in the lobby after church. And so when I say something to you that is maybe contrary, because I mean, I know your lives. I mean, I know you. I'm your pastor. So I've tried to build a relationship with you. I've tried to, to, to know you, to know what's going on in your life and your family. I know some of the things you guys struggle with. And these are all good things because that's what I'm here to do, right? I'm here to do that so I can help you and guide you through this process of, of growing closer to Jesus. But in that process comes when I read a passage of Scripture that God says, I want you to teach on that. Or, and then as I'm coming up with my message, I'm certainly not targeting my messages to anyone in particular. Please know that, okay? I'm not looking at you going, oh, well, Amanda or Jill or anybody, like, I know this is you. So when I'm talking, I'm talking to you. Like, that's not how it is. But I also know that when I'm, when I'm preaching a message or when Paul was writing a letter or anyone else is writing a letter to the churches, he knew that what he had to say was probably not going to be the most popular thing. Because the reason he was writing it in the first place was because it was getting out of hand. All right? And that's what's happening right here. And so he tells them, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress God, the one who I owe everything to. So what I'm saying to you today, what I, Jared, your pastor, is saying to you today, and what Paul is saying to us through God's word, and what God is saying to us through his word and through me today is not trying to impress you. It's trying to be faithful to the way that God has created each one of us to live. And here's the deal. He said that they were turning to another gospel. What does that mean? Well, because they were Jewish, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, particularly in the baptism week, that there were certain laws that were part of being Jewish that they had to do. If anybody wanted to convert to Judaism, they had to be circumcised. That was one of those things. And being circumcised as a baby is no big deal because you know, you don't really know about it, right? I mean, as a baby, everything hurts, so it doesn't matter. But when you're an adult, a grown man having to be circumcised, I don't think so. I mean, I'll tell you what, as a guy, I'll just let you in on a secret here, any ladies in the room, like even the slightest of little taps in that general region can hurt so bad sometimes. I cannot imagine a razor blade, okay? So that's just, let's just move on from there. But because Jesus was a Jewish man, he grew up Jewish, there was this strange world that these guys lived in because Jesus didn't come to abolish the Jewish religion. He was saying, I'm actually coming to fulfill the prophecy of the Messiah, the one who was supposed to be the fulfillment of the Jewish religion. And that was all well and good because they were already circumcised. But then... When Paul travels to the region of Galatia and walks into the city where all these guys, you know, they're not circumcised, and tells them about Jesus, and they're the good news. Oh my God, that's great news. I don't have to worship a thousand gods. I can worship one. 
I don't have to feel guilty for the things that I've done anymore. I don't have to offer weird sacrifices and do weird rituals because of Jesus. That's great news. What the problem was is that he didn't say anything. Paul didn't say anything about circumcision because he knew that that wasn't a requirement because they weren't Jewish. But Paul leaves, goes off to another city, starts preaching the gospel there, building other churches. And then people start walking and going, hey, I've noticed that all you guys know Jesus, but you still haven't had the surgery procedure. And they started teaching them and making them feel guilty that they had to do these things, that there were other things. They had to do certain rituals. They couldn't eat certain meats. They couldn't, all the things that the law of Moses, that the Jewish people followed, that these, these Greek people, these, these individuals from Galatia had never heard in their life. What, what do you mean? Why, I can't have a cheeseburger. Why not? Why can't I eat bacon? I mean, bacon, right? Why can't I do these things? They'd never heard any of them. That would be like you walking into a bar, into maybe your friend's house or going to a bar with a friend or whatever person who's never stepped foot ever inside of a church and telling them, you know, well, God's word really says that you probably shouldn't be sleeping with eight women. What do you mean? Like, why not, man? That's fun. Like, right? I mean, they'd never heard any of these crazy things that come out of the old law. But they began doing that because they didn't have the boss. They didn't have Paul there teaching them. And so Paul is now writing them a letter. And he's saying to them, you are now ascribing to things. You are adding things. You are changing things. The principles that I taught you about what the gospel is about, the grace that Jesus Christ has given us, all of these things, you are now adding and taking away from it and perverting what I have taught you as the gospel and teaching another gospel. Another good news, and he says, which is really not any good news at all. This is important to understand because we live in a world right now where everyone has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion, and they make up whatever they want. It's so important for us to understand that what Paul was saying to the church of Galatia is the same to the church of Pittsburgh, to the church in America, to the church all around the world. You have to know what God's word says about the gospel. We have to know what God's word says about our life, about the plan of how he wants us to live. And you cannot, you cannot know God's word unless you are in it, unless you read it, unless you study it, unless you digest it, unless you think about it, unless you dwell on it, unless you meditate on it, unless you sing it. It becomes a part of you. Because otherwise, you're going to walk down the street and you're going to be, yeah, I went to church this week and Pastor Jared said this thing. And someone's going to go, really? I don't think that's true. And then you're going to get into a philosophical conversation with that person and not have any theological evidence to back you up or to stand on. And then you're going to be swayed because logic will prevail because you are a human being and you are not God. You don't think like God does. You did not create the earth. He did. So it's not your plan. It's not your design. So you can't innately speak that because it's not yours. The only way that you can do that and combat what a friend or culture or anyone else would say to you is to know the truth of God's word. So what does this mean to us today? I feel like when we go through a passage of scripture, what I want to do is wrap it every week with not like rap, like, because I would be terrible at that. But wrap it up in the sense of applying it. That's what it meant to them. What does it mean to us? And here's what I think it means to us. And this is where it's going to get challenging. I already mentioned, we live in a society where everybody's got an opinion. The internet is all over the place. You know, you can, I, I mean, just this week, 
Just this week alone, I was disconnected from the internet because I was on vacation. Didn't have access to Wi-Fi or anything. Come back, and there are rainbows all over my Facebook page. And apparently Confederate flags as well. Someone actually said, I came back to my Facebook page, and it appears as that the Confederacy, a war has broken out between the Confederates and Skittles. Like, that's what people say. And it's true. All over my Facebook feed, there's crazy stuff happening. And if you look at any of those, those feeds, you know, or like a comment that someone made, and then all the comments below it, you can see that there is division. You can see that there are people swaying opinions all over the place. There's all of this happening. This is not a, an uncommon thing. The problem with our current situation is that just like in Paul's day, Rome, this is the Roman Empire, okay? Rome was very similar to America in the sense that they said, hey, every person is free to do what they want to do. You are an individual. You have a set of rights. This was the first place that rights were, were created. There was the concepts of kind of like a constitution and, 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 and sort of like, a, like amendments, and there were rules for people who were Roman, And Galatia was part of the Roman Empire. And so the thinking of the capital of Rome spread throughout. So even though they were Christians, and even though they they knew the gospel, what was happening was that the culture, just like today, would come in, people would come in when they would go to work, or they would go to the coffee shop, or they would go to the pool, or they would go to school, or they would hear different philosophies. And they would begin to, to, to push their values, and the church, the people in the church who had heard about Jesus and were set free, began to have to fight and battle between the popular opinion of what the world was saying and what the, what, what the gospel message was saying, what the, the word of God was saying. And that's happening to us. Our culture is so strong. We are so tied into the internet and into entertainment, right? Into television, into movies, into the news, that what we hear and what we begin to believe gets shaped so often, even without our knowing it, by the things that are not ours. Magazines that we read, the debates that happen on CNN or Fox News, the conversations that we have with our friends, and oftentimes the loudest ones are the ones who are, the ones who are, the, are moving culture, right? I mean, that's the way it happens. They say the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? And that's what's happening in our culture. And even within the church, Even within the church, around the country and around the world, we see pockets of shifting mindsets and beliefs to conform to the cultural standards that oppose God's principles. And I just want to list a couple, and these are by no means exhaustive, but here's a couple examples of this. The concept of value of life versus choice of life. That's an example of our culture shaping Christianity, shaping our culture in general, and the church moving in that direction. The idea of abortion is something that for centuries, for millennia, the concept of life being sacred and giving birth to a baby was sacred. And yet, in the last 50, 60 years in our culture, it has become so widely accepted that a woman has the right to choose whatever is going on with her body that we have forgotten the entire concept of God putting the baby there in the first place. Now, I'm not here to debate concepts of, 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 whether, of abortion. What I'm saying is it's an example of how one time there was a very strong traditional concept that came from biblical viewpoints to where it has shifted even within the church world. Another example of that is the erosion of absolute authority and truth of Scripture. The reason 
The reason that most of this is happening is because many people, even Christians, don't believe that God's word is fully true. Many people will read the Bible and say it's a guide. Many people will say, you know, I read the Bible and it doesn't really make sense to me in a lot of ways or it seems old. And so I'm not really sure if it's applicable in every circumstance. But the erosion of believing that God's word is true, that it has the answers for every question of life, that erosion is what has led many churches to a place of where now there are people who question whether Jesus was divine at all. There are people questioning so many different aspects of life, thinking that all religions lead to the same place, even within churches. And I'm here to tell you, just so it's clear, that Encounter Church is a church that believes that God's word, the Bible, all 66 books of it, are 100% true. When I preach from God's word, I preach it from a place of that God's word is authority in our lives. And when I preach as your pastor, I'm preaching from a perspective of, from a place like Paul was saying, that it doesn't come from a desire to appease men. It comes from desire to please God and to help people to know his design for life. Because I truly, 100% believe that when we speak the truth from God's word, even if it seems contrary to popular opinion, even if it seems like I don't understand it, and it seems the opposite of what seems normal or natural in life, if I do what God's word says, I will be blessed. My life will, will have peace. It doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory, but it does mean that I will have God's favor in my life, and I can say 100% that I know it's true because it's in my life. So I want you to know that. But I have to say, that particularly this week, one of these things, I think, has become particularly forefront. And I've wrestled, and it's been tough, because I was not aware this was going to happen this week while I was on vacation. I wrote this message, as I said earlier, before I left, knowing that we were going to get into Galatians. So this, actually, Galatians has nothing to do with what happened this week with the Supreme Court, and yet it has everything to do with what happened in the Supreme Court this week. I think... I've been wrestling last night and this morning. What do I say? How do I say it? I'm usually very careful with my words because I want this house to be a welcoming place. I want this church to be a place where people can come in regardless of their beliefs and hear an unadulterated, raw version of the word of God. The love of Jesus Christ. That no matter your background, no matter your race, no matter your sex, your orientation, no matter any of those things, that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for your sins. And that because of his resurrection, because I believe 100% that Jesus Christ is alive today, that because of that, that we have the ability to know our creator. That I have to speak what I believe God's word says. And so when Paul writes a, a letter to a group of churches in a region saying, I am hearing things that are shocking to me, that you have heard what the gospel said, which would be the equivalent of, you have heard what the Bible says, and now you are adding or taking away or changing its meaning 
to free yourself to be something else and making yourself say that I am a Christian. That's why he said another gospel. He didn't say another religion. He said you are turning to another gospel, which means you are saying, I'm a Christian still. I still believe this, but I'm just going to choose to believe this about it instead. And so when this week I hear the news on the cruise ship that the Supreme Court has ruled, I think it was five to four, that same-sex marriage is legal in all states. I feel like, a little bit like Paul, in the sense that I'm, I'm not shocked at all by, the, by the, the, the sentiment of our nation, but I am shocked by the sentiment of many of the Christians that I'm friends with, people on Facebook. And I want you to hear me before I say anything else. As your pastor, I love you, and I love everyone. I don't treat anybody differently because of where they come from, because of what they look like, because of their gender, because of what they've done in their past, because of how the money they make, where they live, where they don't live, who they sleep with, what drugs they do, what TV shows they watch, who they decide to marry. It doesn't matter to me. I love everyone the same. But when I looked at my Facebook page, last night and this morning, and I saw people that I know who changed their profile picture to have a little rainbow background on it. You guys have probably seen this. And, and I understand, it's just Facebook, so it's social media, and you can, you know, just because you're, you're putting something doesn't necessarily mean that you support something 100% or whatever. I get it, okay? But in general, what I'm trying to say is that I just was, I was, I was taken aback by people that I know who are Christians who believe in God's word, and yet it seems that they believe that it's okay to, to, have, uh, to be in a same-sex relationship or to, to support that or to affirm that. And I'm taking a stand here today saying something that I have wrestled with for many, many a months and even years because I know what it could do. I know what backlash I could get. But I have to be honest and tell you that God's word paints a picture of relationships being between a man and a woman. And it's not out of any judgment. It's not out of any hatred. It's not out of any, anything other than me as a human being reading God's word, trying to interpret it the way that it says. You know, like... When my Bible tells me that I have to serve my wife as Christ served the church, there's something inside of me that bucks that because I want to be a man and I want to do what I want to do and I want to be able to tell her what to do and I want to be able to do what I want when she doesn't want to. And if she doesn't want me to watch a certain thing and she doesn't want me to go to a certain place, there's something inside of me that says, screw that, man. I want to do what I want because I'm a man and I should be able to do what I want. But because God's word clearly points out to me how I should act. I cannot, in conscience, especially as a pastor, I cannot read that passage of Scripture and see it clearly saying something and then go to a passage about anything else and read into it my cultural, popular opinion. I can't. And so as a pastor, I stand here before you today, putting myself out on a limb, literally, telling you that I cannot read God's word and see an affirmation 
of anything that does not appear to be what God is pointing at, which is a man and a woman. Now, when I say that to you, I recognize that there may be some of you in the room right now who may disagree with me, who may disagree with what the Bible said. I didn't make it up. We read it, okay? What is he saying? He says, anyone who preaches any kind of other gospel, any kind of other good news, is, is, is a false teacher. I did not expect this message to be about this topic. It was there. I actually wrote, I had three things. I said one was the erosion of God's word. The other one was about the value of life and choice. And I have sexuality and identity listed right here. We will talk more about this at another time. So I don't want to drag this out any more than it is, but I think it I think I just didn't have a choice because of what happened this week. It's important to know that there are Christians all over our country, churches, you probably have heard of them, and maybe you're one of them, who for years, maybe growing up, had held a traditional view of marriage, a man and a woman, same-sex relationships is, is not uh, God's plan and design for our lives according to what God's Word teaches but over the last few years, perhaps, I mean, we all know that, that the, the gay rights movement has, has definitely grown and has become a thundering voice in our culture. And maybe you found yourself wavering on that. And I, I, can, I can be honest, and I'll tell you, I had the same concept with, my, with the, the passage I talked about with my marriage, with my wife. There is something inside of me, the human aspect inside of me that says, what's the problem? Why can't a man and another man love each other? Why can't a woman and another woman love each other? What's wrong with that? I mean, who am I to judge, right? I mean, that's, what, that's the argument. And I don't have an argument other than it's not what God's word teaches. And that it's not God's design for our life. There are so many other things, and this is not the topic of conversation for today. The topic of conversation is, is that we as Christians, have got to be careful about anything that is adding or taking away from the message of Jesus Christ and what we find in God's word. And it can be homosexuality. It can be drug abuse. It can be pornography. It can be um, how you treat your spouse. It can be how to raise your children. It can be about women's rights. It can be about civil rights. It can be any topic This just happens to be one that is fresh. And I felt challenged by God to say and to take a stand on it. But I want you to hear me so clearly. This is not about gay rights. This is about God's word. It's about being a disciple of Jesus Christ and living my life according to what his word teaches. It says, I'm going to hear what popular opinion says, but then I'm going to go back to God's word and study it for myself. And I would say this to you. If you are one of those individuals who says, I'm a Christian and I believe it's okay to have, have uh, you know, same-sex marriage, what I would encourage you to do or challenge you to do, if you have not already, is I would encourage you to read God's word and study it. Read some books on it. Don't just take your friend's opinion. Don't just take the news's opinion. You need to understand what God's word says. Again, I mentioned it. If, and I'm going to say this and hear my heart, but it's hard. If you don't believe that God's word is true, you are not a Christian. 
And I will still love you. I will still be your friend. You can still come to our church if you say, you know what, I just don't agree with you, Jared. I believe that. It's okay. But I would say, if you want to have a conversation with me about it, let's talk about it. But I need you to like back up your stuff, you know, like talk about this. So here's where we're going to wrap up today and the worship team can come out. What steps should we take to respond? Number one, ask. This is where we're going to wrap it right here. Ask, am I being shaped more by my culture or by God's word? I think this is where it has to begin. So I'm not giving you the answer. I'm not telling you what you need to think. When you walk out the door here today, you are free to make up your own mind. You are free because we live in a country of freedom. And I thank God for that. You are free to make up your own decisions about where you eat, where you sleep, who you sleep with, who you marry, who you love, where you go to church, who you're friends with. What I'm saying today is ask yourself the question, am I being shaped more by my culture or by God's word? Once you ask that question, I encourage you to analyze Analyze is the next slide. Areas of your life for control points. Analyze areas of your life for control points. Who or what is shaping what you believe? I call them control points. Where is it that you're getting the details of your faith about what you believe? Most churches don't preach that same-sex marriage is appropriate. So you're not getting it from here, typically. So where are you getting it? Where are you getting your shape and your values from? Analyze your areas of your life for control points. Because if if you look at your life and the things that you believe, most of them are contrary to God's word, your control points are out in the world. Your movies you watch, the TV shows that you watch, the music you listen to, the friends you hang out with, the books that you're reading, the magazines you're reading, those are the control points that are shaping you. If, however, you say, you know what? As I read God's word, my value system lines up with what it's taught there. Then your control points are probably God's word, probably your church, probably your life group, the dream team, the people you hang out with, the relationships you have there, right? Does that make sense? Those are your control points. So you should ask, analyze, and finally adjust. I encourage you as a pastor to adjust your perspective to match God's design. Now, this whole entire letter of Galatians is really kind of about this concept. It's not going to be this heavy all the time. It's not going to be, you know, this in your face all the time. But it is Paul writing a letter and walking through these pieces and saying, this is why I'm telling you the truth. And this is the truth. And this is what's going to happen to you if you don't follow the truth. Because this is, and it's a pattern. And I'm telling you, read the book of Galatians and analyze what's happening to them to what's happening in our society. I encourage you guys. I am not afraid to answer your questions. If you've got questions, give them to me. I will answer them. I will do the best that I possibly can to answer those questions. But as your pastor, know that I will be encouraging you to adjust your perspective toward God's design. I'm not preaching anything other than what I find in God's word. I'm not trying to be a bigot. I'm not trying to be fundamentalist. I'm just trying to be true to what God's word teaches. And if you believe differently, the Bible teaches something different, then let's sit down, let's pull out your Bible, let's read it together, let's talk about it. That's why we have the explore piece over there. We want you to experience God here. And I believe we did that today in worship. And I believe that we're experiencing God's word now. 
But I recognize that, that sometimes there's a dissonance between hearing and absorbing and applying, right? And that's where the explore piece comes in. That's, that's sitting down and talking about it. That's not getting offended and walking out and saying, I'm never going to that place again. I mean, if you do that, it's okay, I guess. But what we'd rather you do is come and talk to us. We invite you. I invite you into a conversation about this. And I think that's half the problem in our society is that the conversation is lost and we're just yelling at people on both sides. We're just yelling. Let's talk. I encourage you to adjust your perspective. Ask the question, am I being shaped more by my culture than by God's word? Analyze the areas of your life for control points. Where are you being shaped from? And then adjust your perspective to match God's design. Would you pray with me? Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.